0: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCatHome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. Thanks for joining us here online. Today we're gonna. Be answering the question, how do I get involved here at our church? If you're newer to OCC, you might be wondering that. What does it look like to be involved here? Also, how do I stay connected at OCC? Maybe you've been coming around for a long time and you're wondering about your own personal involvement and connection. And so I hope we cover these things uh, today. We're in a series of messages called community. And the word community, it's a combination of two words, the word common and unity. And so, so far we've looked at how we share our common hope, our common mission. And today we're going to look at our common strategy. But as I mentioned, we really want to answer the question, how do I get involved here? When I'm talking about strategy, I'm really thinking in terms of involvement. Or if maybe you're bringing people around to our church and you're wondering how do I get them involved at OCC, this is what we're looking at today. And So I want to highlight five pieces of our strategy at OCC. Now whenever you hear the word strategy and you're maybe you go automatically to thinking this sounds corporate. Uh, strategy seems like it's a business term and maybe you love that and maybe you're wired to be uh, in business and that just that idea of strategizing to get things done it energizes you or maybe you're thinking you know I feel boxed in and trapped by the structure of strategy and so Uh, This is a church. It's not a business. And so depending on where you're at, uh, I hope we can answer some of the questions, maybe the preconceived ideas you came with as it relates to strategy. What is a strategy? Let's start there. What's the definition? It's a plan of action or policy designed to achieve a major or overall aim. Another definition is a plan for military operations and movements during a war or battle. So two key ideas show up, plan. And movement. This ties closely to our steps. We talked about next steps last week in the week two message of this series. And so we're going to talk about now the plan. What's the plan around here? Like, what's the plan to get involved here at OCC in church life? And let's ask the question: Did Jesus have a strategy? And even did the early church have a strategy? And I want to start with the early church. So let's look at a passage of scripture that describes some of the rhythms of the early church about 2,000 years ago. So let's look at Acts chapter 2, beginning with verses 42 through 47. Now, this is a passage where it begins the history of the church, the history of the growth and the movement of the church. And just before this section of Scripture, the church has just exploded in number. In fact, we looked at these verses uh, two weeks ago, but I want to highlight these again to see what were the rhythms? What was the strategy? What was, what was the church doing to be involved in moving things forward? So let's look at verse, uh, 42, beginning there in chapter 2. It reads, They devoted themselves, they meaning the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking bread, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It wasn't an occasional thing, but, they had this regular practice. That's why it uses the word devoted. Think about the things you're devoted to. Those are the things you keep going back to, the things you're committed to. They were devoted, they were committed through gathering around the teaching of, of uh, the apostles, which shared what Jesus did, to the fellowship. They were devoted to connecting with each other, to, be, to being in relationship with one another, uh, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they would share, they would share meals together in, in their homes. They would remember Christ's sacrifice as they did that as well. Uh, and they would pray together for things. Verse 30, 43 reads, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. I think what was happening was God was at work through this group of people because of how involved they were and how devoted they were to uh, this new movement of christianity that god was working through their involvement all sorts of people were being changed lives are being changed people were turning away from their own ways and they were turning to christ and god was bringing transformation of many people were being healed from sicknesses all sorts of miracles it says were going on and the, the church was just in awe of the power of god verse 44 reads now all the believers were together and held all things in common this is interesting. They, they shared life together. They weren't just individuals that believed in God. And sometimes that is the norm for some people, I've noticed. it's A lot of times people will keep their uh, belief in God as a very, very private thing. And it's true that it's personal, but the pattern you see in the scripture is it's personal, but it's not private. So they actually joined together. They got together. They met together. And they shared Verse 45 actually says they sold their possessions, their property, they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Some of this had to do with the fact that the church was under tremendous pressure to survive. Christians were being persecuted in the first century. The Roman uh, Empire was not favorable. The, the emperor himself was not favorable towards Christians. And a, waves of persecution would target the church. And so Christians needed to band together against the persecution both from the Romans and then also from the Jews that were uh, had rejected Christ. And so there was a lot of tension there. What that brought about was a very, very tight-knit group of people. Uh, difficulty actually forms bonds in in church communities. And so we see this. Verse 46, it reads, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. Again, their their involvement was regular. They were so devoted and committed to getting together both in the large group, temple gathering, and then from home to home. Interesting, large groups and small groups. That's where we get our patterns from, these passages. It says they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So their strategy, as you see, it involved some patterns. You know, the earliest Christians clearly had a strategy. They had a plan. They had a movement for their own involvement. And we saw that in that passage. People would come in. They would learn about Jesus. Uh, they would decide some to follow Christ and turn their lives around. And then they would be invited to step into that strategy. They'd begin to practice themselves the patterns and the rhythms that the church was modeling. It wasn't just individuals. No, this was a group of people working together. And so a major part of the church's strategy involved actually gathering together, pulling away from our individual lives and gathering together to be on mission together. For example, look at some of the instructions on involvement here in the New Testament. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 through 25. This is a passage, the writer of Hebrews tells us, Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. He's saying let's let's try to stir up one another towards loving people and doing good towards people. This is to be a part of our rhythm is to be in community to encourage one another to love other people to be involved in lives in the lives of others. Verse 25 reads this, not neglecting to gather together. There is this again this call to involvement. The church was not supposed to be isolating. They weren't supposed to be uh, separated, they were to be gathering together. He says, "Not not neglecting to gather together, as some were in the habit of doing." Now, when we look back at what was going on in the in the history of the early Christian church, the reason that some weren't gathering was, for many, was out of fear. The fear of being seen as a Christian drove people, some people, into isolation and into individual living. And but the writer of Hebrews says, "No, you, you need to gather together." Don't don't neglect that as some are doing, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this is to be just a regular rhythm, is this fellowship, this gathering. Or in Ephesians chapter four, verse sixteen, Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus, modern day Turkey. He's describing this the church as a and he uses the metaphor of a body. So he says, The church is sort of like a human body. And so He writes from him, speaking of Christ, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. And so, what you see here is Paul is writing about how the group is in motion. There's part of their strategy is there's growth and there's movement. It's not a group of spectators, but it's it's active participants. The church is. Is it's people who are linking together? There's, there the, you see this inter interdependency in that verse in Ephesians chapter four. Everybody plays a part. Everybody has a role. Uh, every every member actually has a gift uh, to bring in a sense. The gifting, talents, experiences. Uh, we we work together. Thankfully, we have this variety in order to accomplish more together. Now. These verses that I've referenced, uh, these were really the rhythms of the church. And where did this come from? Well, the church actually learned all of this from Jesus and from his life example. What they did after Jesus ascended to heaven, so after the resurrection, after he ascended, is the church just started living out what they'd seen him model for them while he was on earth. So Jesus' strategy actually involved both a high pace. And a high level of patience. Jesus modeled both sides of this. Maybe you're a person who runs at a high pace and you can get a lot done. Maybe you're a person also who has tremendous patience. Or maybe you'd say, you know, I'm one of those, but I'm not both of those. Well, Jesus was both of those. He ran at an extremely high pace, he got a lot done. And yet he had extreme, high patience for people. Let's look at Mark 1, verse 29 through 38. It's like a day in the life of Jesus. So if you could travel with Jesus, this is the typical day. It says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. So Jesus takes a couple of his disciples with him, and he enters Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So she was, she was really sick. She was dying, in a sense. She was in really bad shape. So he, speaking of Jesus, he went to her. He took her by the hand, and he raised her. Up, says the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then she attends to the disciples. She serves them a meal, so they stay in her house and they're enjoying this meal. And then in verse 32, when evening came after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. So people are bringing other needs and opportunities to Jesus. People were troubled with sickness. People were troubled with demonic, oppressive spirits. People are lining up. Look at verse 33. The whole town was assembled at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he wouldn't permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So Jesus is just doing ministry. He can uh, both run at a high pace, high capacity. He's able to just handle the sheer uh, volume and just the, the sheer number of people that are coming with needs. Now, here is the Son of God. He's able to deliver people from spirits. He's able to heal people from sickness. And uh, he, is, he is just patiently interacting uh, person by person. Verse 35 reads this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, He got up. He went out, and He made His way to a deserted place. And there He was praying. So, he's, he's basically, he's up into the, uh, into the evening, healing people, helping people. And then, he gets up early, before the sun's even set, before the sun even rises the next morning. And he goes out to pray, spend some time alone, connecting with the Father. Look at this, while he's praying, verse 36 reads, Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, he's still praying, they said, everyone is looking for you. He can hardly get a moment to himself to pray. And he said to them, Let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach thereto. This is why I have come. So Jesus is just, he is, a, he's made himself available to the needs that are coming up. He runs at an extremely high pace. And, and he is able to care for each one. And I think Jesus is an interesting. You know, example of, of someone who had a plan. Notice here that when the disciples uh, come to him and make him aware of these needs, he basically says, uh, let's go to the next village. There's needs there too. Let's preach there as well. This is why I've come. So he has this plan, but he's also very spontaneous. Uh, he's willing to stop and, and and interact with people. He's willing to respond to the needs there's other stories where uh, he has a meeting and on the way to the meeting or on the on the way to the uh, request to deal with an opportunity or a need uh, someone would interact with him and Jesus would stop and notice the individual and he'd care for them and so with Jesus there was there was structure and there was also spontaneity he would take the time there was a plan but then there was also these promptings where he would he would sense uh, something needs to happen right now and he would uh, he would move towards a person and, and care and slow down. Uh, there was freedom and there was also form. And so in your life, you might be more of a structured person or maybe you're more of a spontaneous person. I would encourage you towards both. I mean, with, without a clear and focused strategy, we would just likely gravitate in our lives towards too little or or too much. And so strategies are important. Having a plan, a movement towards action is crucial. And so at OCC, we have five pieces of our strategy, and here they are. The first is we want people to get involved by attending the worship service. And so you're watching this, or, and so check, you, you've attended the worship service. We would hope that you would do that with others. So if you're watching this, maybe you'd invite others to watch this with you. Also, I would encourage you to come check out our live service. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 and 1030 at the Orange Terrace Community Center. But this is a major part of our strategy. Attend the worship service. And we would desire that that be with other people. Second thing is this. Experience an event. This is where we connect. In men's events, women's events, stage of life events, sometimes events for our whole community. But we would love for you to experience an event. Maybe you're checking out OCC and maybe exploring Christianity. Check out with us some of our connecting events. We do uh, movie nights, we do different things just to connect in neighborhoods of our community and those are built so you could meet people at OCC and enjoy relationships. A third part of our strategy is volunteer on a team. Volunteering is is a crucial way that people have gotten connected here at OCC. It's through the involvement of serving and volunteering to help uh, pull things off whether it's an event or whether it's our weekly Sunday gathering. All of what we do really requires a, a, an army of volunteers. And what's really cool about our church is there are so many volunteers. And so it lightens the load because so many people get involved in this strategy piece of volunteering. The fourth piece of our strategy is join a group. We, in most times of the year, we offer small groups. Uh, a lot of times these are... Uh, these are located right where you live. And so we have a variety of groups in different parts, different neighborhoods of our town, but in a group you get all sorts of relational interactions. And for some it's a really a brand new experience. So I'd invite you as these come available in the fall uh, to buy up the opportunity to join a group. And then the fifth part of our strategy, how do I get involved here is this. It's eventually you choose to commit to the body. And we call this our membership process. We have a series of, of exploring OCC classes, something called OCC Previews, a starting point. And then we have some discover classes where we share more about what it means to be a committed member of, of Orange Crest Community Church. But this fifth step has really allowed us to really accelerate and make traction as a church, as more and more people commit to the body. and these strategy pieces, they flow right out of the patterns we see the early church doing. And when you look at this list of these five pieces, it can come across very structured. And if you're a structured person, you might really like that. Maybe you're asking, how, how do I get involved here? Well, we're, we're spelling that out. And so for some of you, you're like, this is easy. This is this is great. I know. I know how to get involved. But if you're more of a spontaneous person, then This list here, you might feel really boxed in. And so I want to encourage you to look at these five strategy pieces as steps towards deeper involvement at OCC. These are all sort of containers, these five areas, are containers where all sorts of spontaneous opportunities can occur. It's really, I think, a blend of the two, structure and spontaneity. So we really look at these venues uh, as, as opportunities for more interactions, more growth, more relationships. These containers are where life can really occur. Groups, teams, committing to the body, you know, attending the worship service, being a part of an event—all of these, these uh, strategy pieces contain ample opportunities to be involved and to feel connected here at OCC. For example, if you choose to attend the worship service live at, at nine o'clock on Sunday mornings, you know. You, you're going to be able to experience all sorts of people and relationships. You'll meet some folks. But if you show up at 12, what you'll see is you'll just see guys tearing down and you won't be able to participate in the service. And so we actually have a structure. Part of our strategy, attend the worship service, is we have service time. So we have 9 o'clock service and currently a 10.30 service. And it's not it's not really a floating service. It's It's pretty steadily those two times. If you show up at 12, you might see our trailer driving away with all the equipment that we use for that service. And so in life, it's helpful to have structure. Those service times, that's a structure piece. But don't be feeling boxed in by that structure. Because when you show up to service, you really have no idea the people that you might meet any given Sunday or the conversations you might have. You might show up to church totally discouraged from your week. Maybe there's a song that, that our, our worship team leads in, and it just totally captures the way you've been feeling, and it just anchors your focus. Maybe the issues you've been wrestling with, they get addressed in the, in the message. Maybe the scripture that I cover, or the passage that I cover, or the character in the Bible that I cover, or the book in the Bible that is being covered, maybe it just, just like a laser beam just focuses exactly on what's going on in your heart. And you're thinking, wow, how did that happen? See, God meets you in a variety of ways. This is where the spontaneous and the structure intersect. That can happen at our worship service. Uh, Another part of our strategy is volunteer on a team. So maybe you're exploring that option and you're considering that. But maybe in your own life, you're really gifted at underwater basket weaving and midnight bocce ball or puzzling. And you show up here to volunteer and you, you find out that we don't have any of those things, that none of your interests and experiences, maybe we don't have those right now, but instead we have a sight and sound team and a parking team and a, a refreshments team and a security team and a, and a kid's own ministry team and, and on and on and on. We actually have 31 different teams for different levels of involvement. Some of them are for uh, anyone to serve on who's just even been coming around for a short period of time. Others require people have been around longer, that we know them and and that they've served faithfully in other areas before. But maybe in all of our teams, Not a single one of those teams involve your talents or your past skills or your hobbies. And so the decision for you is, do I want to actually step towards this strategy piece? Do I actually want to help OCC accomplish their mission by volunteering on one of their teams? And again, I think you'll be surprised by how the spontaneous intersects with the structure as you participate on a team. For example, maybe you decide to serve on the refreshments team and you're setting up for our gathering. Maybe you're, you're preparing refreshments, some food that's about to be spread out for people to enjoy. And you're, you're working on this setup process with a few other people and you get to talking to someone who's working beside you. And so shoulder to shoulder, you're, you're interacting around this, uh, this serving opportunity and you realize that they also like underwater basket weaving and puzzling. And it's in the midst of this working and serving, volunteering shoulder to shoulder, that you get connected to people. All of a sudden you're like, I had no idea you were into those very same things. But you know, this really requires that you be open to volunteering. You might be surprised by how our formal strategy pieces actually provide the structure and the strategy that you need, the container in fact, for the interactions that you've been looking for and even longing for in your life, or if you try joining a group as they come up in the fall, you know we're, we're excited to share with you the, some new tweaks that we're making to our group. So you'll be hearing about those fairly soon. But these groups provide regular midweek gatherings for all sorts of spontaneous interactions. The container is a night of the week that is set and regular with a group of people who have signed up for that for that group, and you might be surprised by how God connects you to, to a group of people that you meet and that you connect with and end up walking alongside for years and years and years. And I've heard that story repeated over and over here. Like I had no idea I would meet anybody that I would really want to get to know beyond the group. I just came for a Bible study. I just came to learn a little bit more about God. And now I've connected to some people who I would consider like brothers and sisters in this church family. But what it takes is you've got to trust God. You you step into the group. You take the risk of signing up. You take the risk of, I don't really know anyone who's going to be in that group. And then God begins to work. He connects uh, others to our lives in, in meaningful ways. And we're sometimes just surprised. We're surprised at how people that are much younger than us, they connect with us. Or much older than us, connect with us. People with different histories, they connect with us. Another thing we want you to notice is, With all five of our strategy pieces, none of these are individual. All of these are done in a gathering, in a group of people. Our strategy continues to carry on that tradition of how God's people gather together to share life. Now, another word for that is the word commune. Now, our world doesn't always commune. Uh, The world around us is advancing so fast, we're we're progressing so quickly that we promote communication. There's advancements in communication. Uh, Communication is where you're receiving information, and oftentimes it's one-sided. It's just coming at you. And so we have our phones. We have our devices. we, We receive all this information. And we might communicate with people through these new tools that we have that are really useful for all of us. But with these tools of communication, there's often all sorts of opportunities for misunderstanding. But in this strategy we're talking about, we would love for you to receive communication in church life that is helpful, but we want you to go beyond that and actually experience communing with real people. We want you, not, not in, a commune, in a commune sense, but in a sharing of life sense. We want you to, to commune with others, to share your life with others. This is what church can bring. It can bring people together. And churches do that. They bring people together who are very different. They're not usually the people that you would naturally choose to share your life with. But these are people that we share a common unity. Look at, in Matthew chapter 10, the listing of Jesus' followers. There's a list of the the disciples. And just, I want you to look at the, the list of names, and I'm going to highlight a couple of interesting, distinctive points that are made. It says in verse 2, These are the names of the twelve apostles. These are Jesus' apostles. These are the ones he's sending out. Uh, to lead in in the uh, the growth and expansion of the church. The names of the apostles are first Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew. Now with Matthew, it says Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. So he lists these 12 apostles out. Interesting thing about these names, most of them, uh, they he gives some family names as well, like in the case of Judas Iscariot and James, the son of Zebedee. Those are family names. Now, but then he mentions with Matthew. He says, Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot. These are very, very different individuals, They wouldn't have liked each other, but yet they were both apostles of Jesus. The tax collectors were very much despised. These were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government. And so for most people, they felt like anyone, anybody who was working for the enemy was like a traitor. And so Matthew, a Jewish man working for the enemy, the Roman government, and exacting taxes from his people, and often skimming the tax collectors, would skim resources off the top, uh, this just created a lot of hatred from their own country, from their own countrymen. And so Matthew, he has this in his history. Now, Simon is a zealot. The zealots were a religious group that really wanted to overthrow, and they didn't want to be oppressed by anyone, certainly not the Romans. And so you can see, Jesus fills his, his group of twelve with these people that would not have interacted. Simon, as a zealot, would have really despised what Matthew had done. And you see, you can, You can also imagine there'd be tension and fear in Matthew's heart about how safe he would be around Simon, this zealot. Well, what Jesus does is he brings this group together. They abandon their old ways. They follow Jesus, and Jesus brings this deep unity. It's very powerful. Hey, as we wrap up, the the digital world that we're living in, in some ways, it aims to replace the real gatherings that we can have in real life, in real spaces. Look at what Mark Zuckerberg said about Facebook back in 2017. He described that Facebook can be the new church and essentially that the social network can take on the role that religion once played in giving people a sense of community. He said, this is what Facebook can do. In a speech in 2017, he was in Chicago, he said only 100 million of Facebook users were a part of what he would call a meaningful community, like doing groups within Facebook. And so this was not the pattern for everyone. And his vision was to expand the the way that people use Facebook, so that more people would would have regular interactions with a group of people. And again, his his hope was that this would be sort of like the new church to replace what people used to share. Now now he, he doesn't probably mean that <laughs> he's not trying to replace the church. He's talking about an experience. But there was a journalist named Peter Ormerod who challenged this by writing. Here's the quote, at at their best, churches offer a perspective on life fundamentally opposed to the culture Facebook encourages and upon which it feeds. Churches, at their best, bring us into contact with people who we would never think of as friends. There are cliques, of course, but we all come to the same table and drink from the same cup and sing the same songs and say the same prayers. The Lord's Prayer, after all, is not the singular, but it's the plural. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a breaking down of barriers. This is what happens at church. It's an awareness of mutual responsibility and dependence. It's a celebration of brokenness. It's an unsanitized experience of humanity. It's a place of transcendence, space, silence, peace, devotion, richness, and depth. This journalist states at the end, no matter how grand Zuckerberg's visions may be, they will never compete. He's saying church won't compete. These things are not going to compete with one another. What do you think? Can the digital age, online community, social networking, can that replace the physical gathering? You're going to have to decide for yourself. And if you decide to opt for real physical gatherings, understand that our OCC strategy will be somewhat of a disruption to the convenience and to the individualism attached to our digital age. But it is a much needed disruption to actually get together with people, to actually gather and to draw close to people in real time, real space, with real people. And this piece of community is something we believe develops people just as God intends them to grow. And this is our common strategy, and it's a major part of our community here at OCC. Here's a few next steps for you to consider. The first is this. Would you consider moving into motion towards a specific OCC strategy? You may think through how to do that. Second, would you consider confessing patterns that are blocking my ability to connect in community. Maybe you'd say, you know, I just have an independent spirit or I have, a, I have a sense of individualism or maybe some pride that's lurking in my heart or maybe there's some consumerism. So consider what it is, maybe it is blocking your ability to connect in our community. The third thing is this, to slow down and notice who's at our gatherings. Now, you're watching this online, and I would encourage you to again. to to step towards one of our live gatherings when you're ready, when you're comfortable with that. But I would encourage you to check out one of our live gatherings and then slow down and notice. Look around, see who's there, and connect with them. Maybe have a conversation. Slow down as you're walking through the building. Invite someone to join you for lunch. Linger a little longer. All of these things will just help us develop much closer relationships in our gatherings. So I hope you'll continue to explore OCC and Uh, Keep digging in here with us. If you're already involved, we would just really love it if you'd help others uh, get involved here with us. So let's pray together as we wrap up. Father, thank you for uh, this time as we've uh, walked through some of the patterns and rhythms of uh, of Christians in the first century. Uh, The way that the gathering was a priority. Uh, This was something that the church was devoted to. And People mattered. This all came from what Jesus modeled, Lord, in his ministry. And then he put on display on the cross as he showed the ultimate love and sacrifice that he uh, would give his life for us. I thank you, Lord, for the church that you've you've been building here, uh, here in Riverside. And just thank you, Lord, for the many people that call OCC home. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would uh, continue to draw people towards taking deeper steps of commitment as they get involved in our in our in our ministry here. And for those that are coming around and, and exploring what it looks like to to walk with you and know you, I pray that they would continue to move closer to uh, really uh, checking out more and getting clarification on who Jesus is and what it would look like to follow Him. Uh, so we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for this series of messages. And I pray that you would continue to do your work in our lives and in our church family. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at OCCathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Have a great day.